0: Sitting with Ann Hupka, who is the mother of a TBI survivor. And uh, Ann, could you introduce yourself? Sure.
1: Um, as Andy said, I am the mom of our son who was injured at the age of 26, it was 17 years ago. Okay. And um, his is um, an acquired brain injury versus the traumatic. Brain injury. Um, he was. It's not
0: just the fact that you suggest you brought mm-hmm. that up. Tell me your interpretation of the difference.
1: Sure, trauma is what it sounds like. Right. There's been some insult to the brain, physical insult to the brain, whether it be caused from a fall, from a motor vehicle accident, um, a beating. You know, you have domestic violence. You've got just a um, a brawl and somebody comes and attacks you and you're beaten. Um, and the brain sits loosely inside the skull and it is shaken about. You also have shaken baby syndrome, right. which is a form of TBI. Okay. And... Um, and inside that skull, well, on the outside is very smooth because that's the shape of our head. But on the inside, there's a lot of little bony prominences. Okay. And so when the brain shifts around and shakes around in there, um, it's called coup contra coup. It goes one way and then it comes back the other way. And, and um, it's shoved up against these bony prominences. And- okay. And then you have acquired brain injury. Okay, which is all other kind. Your men- meningitis, bacterial meningitis would be an acquired brain injury. Um, a stroke could be an acquired. An aneurysm, ruptured aneurysm would be an acquired. A brain tumor would be an acquired. The required surgery.
0: So it's, what's traumatic?
1: Well, traumatic would be um, that insult. Somebody's beaten it. Or like in a car accident and you're shoved one way or the other. So it's a physical injury. Okay. You know, and I suppose really somebody could probably say surgery on the brain would then become a trauma. It's still an insult that okay. way. But if it's more medically induced, um, like our son's. Right. Was the lack of oxygen to the brain. So hypoxic. Right.
0: So, uh, and I... With the interview that I did with Richard Mudo, who is with the uh, with the Brain Injury Alliance of Rhode Island, oh, uh huh, he made this he he corrected me uh, and uh, made the distinction that it's it matters what you call a brain injury because many times on the legislative level mm-hmm. uh, they don't allocate enough resources for acquired. Brain injuries, and they allocate resources re- resources for traumatic, traumatic. brain injuries okay. when they should just get rid of the distinction Dis- altogether, right. And just call it a brain injury,
1: right? Right. And I've heard some people on the legislative side that are trying to recategorize this okay. and only say brain injury, or what is um, there was even another. Brain damage, even, and I says, No, I don't like that word. <coughs> that has too much connotation to brain damage. Oh, you have brain damage. No, you had right. brain injury. Right. You know, and so, um, and I guess when I was more on the medical side and I was working in, I worked in rehab and I, as case manager, and at that time, and that was, I left, I retired in 2015, so six years ago. Okay. It was then still TBI versus ABI. Okay. okay at that time. and they were actually wanting it all to go to just acquired right brain injury. Okay. okay is what they that were trying to sense. get away yeah. from the trauma whatever way it's still acquired.
0: Sure. Well yeah yeah that's, that's been my yeah. my contention the entire time was right. like unless you're born with it, which right. leads to something like cerebral palsy, right, then it's all acquired. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not wrong yeah. about it's
1: that. It's not congenital. Right. If it's not congenital, then it would be acquired. Okay. You got it somehow. You so.
0: you got it some time after you left the womb. Right. So it's an acquired brain injury. So it's an
1: acquired brain injury. Okay. Right. So, well,
0: that makes sense yeah. to me. Okay.
1: Right.
0: So tell me about Ken. Yeah. Tell me.
1: Yeah. So our son was 26 years old. We had just come home from a week's vacation um, down at Table Rock Lake where we go. We've been going since he was three years old. <laughs> And as a family, and had a great family vacation. He now had had a two and a half month old baby at the time, and went back to work on a Monday morning. Now he was working for OPPD, correct? Right, right, um, which is Omaha Public Power District. Um, he was an apprentice lineman, and so wanting lots of experience, you know, get me out there in the field. I got to get my hands on it, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was doing a great job, and he had just actually did a pole-top rescue for another guy that was having trouble in the basket getting down. He wasn't injured, but just the basket wasn't working well. And so they call that a pole-top rescue. So he assisted with that in getting him down. And then they got a call that um, Cox Cable had run over one of the cables, the electrical cables, and had cut that. So they had to go restore electrical power. this neighborhood and um, so they got over on that job and everybody was doing the things and he was actually up in the high lines and had been working up there and they were going to now run service to one of the houses and he said oh I'll go do that so he had two other guys on the ground and his supervisor and um, they just switched jobs and he Ken went up in the basket, and the other guy went down on the ground. Well, apparently, uh, no fault of anybody's, it was just human error, Um, the supervisor did not get word of the job switch. Okay? And so um, when he saw the other guy down on the ground, he assumed they were all done. And so he went and he went around the corner and started turning the power all back on. And, and the one Meanwhile. Meanwhile, Ken's still up in the basket <coughs> working. And the one guy down on the ground said, Hey, what are you doing? And he goes, Well, we're going home. He says, We're done. And he goes, No, we're not done. Hupka's still up in the basket. And he goes, Oh my God, go tell him. I just turned the power on. And when they went around the corner of this one building and they looked up, they saw Ken slump down. In the basket and he had gotten hit with a two forty volt. Now, most of the guys that work with the power company said they couldn't believe long? it. Oh, it was just an instant. Just yeah, until I mean he got the jolt and down he went. And he didn't fall out of the basket. He just slumped down inside the basket. Mm-hmm. And and all the guys said, Hey, you know, I've been hit with two forty. All it does is just knock you to the ground. He says, what the deal? You know, they couldn't get his heartbreak going. And so the guys got up into the basket, did that pull top rescue again, but now this time somebody's injured. And so they got up into the basket, and they brought the, the boom down to the level of the truck, and there was, I think, two guys in the basket with them, or one guy in the basket and another guy out on the truck trying to get him out onto the truck. Now, Ken is 6'6". You've seen him. He's a big guy. He's a big guy. He was 6'6", 240 pounds at that time. And so trying to get dead weight, you know, because he had no control over anything. He was out and basically gone. And they got him out onto the top of the truck and began CPR. Okay. And while another guy ran and called for help, called 911, you know, did the whatever their code was for the power company. Um, And so they began CPR, and then when the squad, it was actually a fire engine that got there first. Luckily, that fire engine back in 2004 had a defibrillator on the truck. Not all of them did at that time. And power company trucks did not have defibrillators on their trucks. They do now since Ken's accident, but... You know, they didn't at the time, and um, so by the time that all happened, they were able to finally defibrillate him, and
0: and he's been out cold, or this whole time. and and not breathing.
1: Yeah, no, no, nothing for how long? I you know I've heard varied times. A a lot of them said it was a good twenty minutes oh. before they could get him. You know, yeah. Get him any help, and then they got him start getting good oxygenation into him. They intubated him there in the truck, and with when the squad got there, and um, what
0: what started his heart again was it the defibrillator, or was the CPR? Or? It was
1: defibrillator and CPR okay. mostly, okay. Because they did CPR all the way in to Creighton. Okay. it was Creighton University. Oh, okay. And then, from what I understand, they worked on him again for another twenty minutes.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: Yeah in the ER. That's a long, long time, time
0: without oxygen.
1: Yeah. And it, they called it hypoxic injury because it was no, low yeah. what does because that mean? they that was low oxygen. Okay. Rather than anoxic is knowing no oxygen. So, since they were able to do effective CPR and they got good oxygenation within probably that first 10 minutes, you know, but by the time they were able to get him going enough to where they could transport him. It was like 20. And I think he got to the hospital within 20 minutes. Okay. And so, um, at any rate, they felt like his oxygen level, I think his oxygen levels were in the 50s when they want them to be above ninety, ninety-two. 92. And so that's why they call it low oxygen. Okay. Hypo is low oxygen. And... Um, and then they worked on him for 20 minutes in the ER bay. Well then, let's give it one more last blast. And with the defibrillator, and sure enough, they got a heartbeat.
0: Could you s- Oh, stop doing yes. yeah, th- yeah, it. It's, yeah. It's, it's gonna <laughs> I'm going to hear it. <laughs> yeah, you are.
1: At so. any rate, yeah. So they um they did one more one more try in the ER bay and they were able to get a heart rate okay. and it stabilized. Oh, and okay. And it stayed put. And they did put him on a ventilator at that time, and so just to maintain things, because once they got he was still in a coma, but they wanted him into a medically induced coma. Right. And so then they started um, giving him medications to paralyze him, you know, sedate him, everything they could, so that all blood, good blood, oxygenated blood supply would go to the vital organs, Mm -hmm. and that's where it needed to go, you know. And so transferred to ICU, and there we waited. And um, they first started coming off of the medications and the ventilator within three to four days, didn't see much response, put him back into the medically induced coma, and waited again. And this happened on Monday, the 28th of June, And it wasn't, I think, 4th of July that year would have been, um, I'm going to say Sunday. Yeah, Sunday, because then the 5th was on Monday. And that's when it was kind of celebrated was on Monday. So still low staff on Monday. And then Tuesday, Uh, they were able to, you know, okay, we're going to start weaning him off of things. And Friday night. And what year is this? 2004. Okay. Friday night. All of a sudden, there was two male nurses that were working with him, and cracking jokes, you know, and just working with him. And all of a sudden, his eyes opened. And she, he'd been
0: in the medically in the induced men- coma for. Six until days? probably, Five?
1: yeah, yeah, until that Tuesday, the 6th.
0: Now, when you say medically induced, you mean drug induced? Right. That, that's what I was in for, yeah. a, for a while. Okay. Right, Because right. that's that's when they basically need to sedate you because they need to make sure that all the other drugs you're pumping into your system are going to be effective. Right. Okay.
1: Yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. And um, so at any rate, that Friday night, he his eyes opened and it was like a newborn baby. You know, eyes are open and just looking around. You know, didn't get much response other than that, but just looking around. It wasn't like you see in the movies, you know, eyes open and now they're fine. <laughs> it's not that way. No. <laughs> Do you remember waking up from your medically induced coma? I don't, I don't coma? remember
0: two and a half weeks from the from, yeah. from the night before I went into the hospital. Uh, I, I lost consciousness the night before... And then I didn't even start really. All I have is images, snapshots, really, yes. for for the next two and a half weeks. And my, my first like cohesive memory of of like events, and by events I mean, then I got out. Of, then I got out of bed, and then I walked to the door, and then okay. I walked. That yeah. it that was Both two and events. a half weeks later. Yeah. after I got out of the hospital, or after yeah. I was in the hospital. Yeah, so. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, um, <coughs> and then he. Then he closed his eyes again and went back down again. And then just until the next morning. Okay. Yeah. And it was like this little window opened up as the way that they were talking about it. It's like you're, you know, this window opened up and you kinda got a little glimpse and then the window closed. Mm -hmm. And but then the next morning he woke up and his he was looking all around. And still no verbal response. Okay. But he was still looking around at things. And um you have to remember, I was the mom. He is now married. So his wife was the one that they would call, you know, for the first things. His wife was the one who was notified first. And then she would notify us And as parents. And so that was, it was a hard thing hard. to go through, you know, because here's your son of 26 years and married for a little over two years. And it's like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even married when yeah, I, when I yeah, had mine, yeah, so they wouldn't, yeah.
0: I mean, my she was, she was showing up every day, but they were telling my, my, my parents first about everything. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. yeah, And so she, she would have to give the authority for us to be able to listen in and, okay. and that was, that was tough, but she did. I mean, we, we worked it all out and, you know, and, um, So at any rate, but yeah, and my husband just kept saying, we don't know what's going to happen until we see the whites of his eyes. We aren't, you know. And so it was just such a great thing to be able to see him with his eyes open. And so then um, they immediately got started with occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy, you know.
0: how I mean, tell me about that. Yeah, I mean,
1: um, they didn't start walking him. But they did start with occupational therapy first, and that's your morning cares. Sure, we're gonna brush your teeth. You're gonna comb your hair. You're going to wash your face. Mm -hmm. You know, all of those kind of things. Just following simple directions. Mm -hmm. And how was he doing? I mean, how how did um, he he take that? Yeah, (laughs) because I know I was a pain in the ass. Yeah, very slow, very slow with things. You know, Um, his wife shared with me that he would see the IV pole and think that something was on um, that something was on fire okay. behind him, you know. And so I know he was beginning to hallucinate oh different gosh. things. So whether it was power poles, whether it was flashes of whatever, you know yeah, but he didn't, what he would say at that time was not really coherent. It would be little phrases, kind of almost like you're talking in your sleep,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and so the following, I think it was just a no. It would have been. It was September thirteenth or July 13th, 15th. So it would have been a matter of about ten days later. We went to Madonna for rehab. Okay, and this is for acute rehab. Madonna, Madonna, Madonna well. in Lincoln. Okay. Yeah, Lincoln, Nebraska. So he got transferred down there for acute rehab and had very, very intense therapy sessions. And that was when they started working with his leg strength and getting him ready to walk again. Mm -hmm. And same thing with brushing your teeth, and same thing with, you know, doing different cognitive skills, you know, picking pictures out of books. What is this? Trying to get one word answers. Um, they would always say, who is it that's walking through the door? You know, oh, that's my mom. Okay. And he could give short word answers, you know, at that time, or little phrases at that time. Um, and uh, so they, just, you know, just kept working with him and repetitive therapies. So he was...
0: He was aware enough, he was lucid enough Mm -hmm. to know where he was.
1: Um, He didn't really know where he was other than I'm in a hospital.
0: But he knew he was, I mean, I guess my question is, was he lucid enough to know that he was in a medical facility and something monumental had happened? Yeah, I
1: don't know. Okay. Yeah, I don't know because we really didn't get conversational speech out of him. Okay. You know, I remember, I remember sitting at Madonna and we were sitting with him and we said, boy, Kenny, when you get better, we're going to go to Las Vegas <laughs> because you're so lucky you're alive, right. <laughs> you right. know, and we've got this. And he said back to us what happened to me? Why am I not better? What do you mean I'm not better? Yeah. So I don't know that he really realized what his deficits were.
0: Well, I can tell you from personal experience because, I mean, I probably had my family explain to me why I was in the hospital at least a dozen times in the first two weeks because I had no short-term memory. Right. And it was very, I mean, you know, it was... I I kind of referenced the movie M- Memento. You've ever seen that movie? Mm-mm. It's a really interesting movie. Um, it's about a guy who hits his head. Uh, I'll, I'll spare you all the details, mm-hmm. but he hits his head and he has this condition where he has almost no short-term memory, meaning that like oh. every every like three or four minutes, his his mm-hmm. memory completely starts. starts
1: All, all over again, Mm -hmm.
0: and I wasn't like I wasn't that bad, but Mm -hmm. I was close. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I knew where I was, and I and people would explain it to me. And I remember I we there's notes of a conversation that I had with my mom, and she explained to me what happened, and then she said. But you're probably not going to remember, remember this remember in, in this. half an hour anyway, yeah. Andy. And I said, no, I probably won't. And I had the presence of mind to know yeah. that I... that
1: you're not going to remember. Exactly. Oh, goodness. So. yeah. Yeah, anyway. yeah. So anyway, yeah. continue. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and that's what it was explained to us. Okay. You know, at Madonna, and then later at Quality Living, and because uh, that's where he went for subacute rehab. So okay. At Madonna, he stayed there from July 15th to. September 13th, okay, so, so almost f- two months. Almost two months. Yeah. And um, and he got g- great care. I mean, things went well down there um, at Madonna. They seemed to really load up on medications to the point that they really made him ill, violently yeah. ill, and just vomiting all the time. And that was the saddest part was to see the weight loss and the muscle wasting, you know. Because he went from 240, and we got down to about 175. Wow, you know. Wow, wow. And then you, you know, are trying to support a six foot six.
0: Yeah. <laughs> body. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and you know, and then he'll eat, <coughs> but then just turn right around and just, you know, violent vomiting. Okay. And get a trash bag out.
0: Just, How was his demeanor? I mean, I.
1: He was can. You know, and that's what a lot of the therapists had told us. It really depends on what their um, personality was like okay, to begin with, you know, as to how they're going to keep on fighting, yeah. you know, are they a fighter or are they going to not, not come around? And right. But yeah, he was, he was himself. We would take him for walks in the wheelchair around the block at Madonna. And at that time, it was very... Vital to him. I mean, he'd be looking up at the power poles. He'd be looking at the lines. He'd be looking at the transformers and, you know. So he knew. And he knew all of that. But then that was enough in that long-term memory and what he had learned and was there. Yep. You know, but now where are we supposed to go? Which door are we supposed to go back into? Right. Right. You know, that's not going to be there, you know. Where's your room? That's not going to be there, you know. And... um. Mm -hmm. Not in that short a time. And so um, they pretty much, Madonna's staff had pretty much said that he had what they called plateaued out, which means that you've kind of hit a flat line as far as your progress goes. Who
0: told you that?
1: The therapists. Okay. And they're the ones that decide, are they making progress? Right. Can you continue to see progress being made? And as long as you're seeing progress being made, we can allow him to stay here. We can get insurances to authorize continued treatment. As soon as we start saying, okay, no, we're not seeing any more progress, this is pretty much baseline, this is where we've gotten, we've got to move on. You can't stay here anymore. And that's and what they call plateauing and.
0: At what point? You said it was July
1: 15th? Um, 15th was when we got there, and okay. it was September 13th.
0: Okay. And, and so.
1: we just finally said, okay, well, if you're saying Plateau, then we're out. Okay. And we've got a bed at Quality Living in Omaha rather than in Lincoln, which was closer to us.
0: On the rehab campus? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And did you have any idea what the long-term? No. Not at no, all? No,
1: We still didn't. Okay. We still didn't. They needed to go through their own evaluation. And, um, and so, um, I mean, it gave us a little more hope, you know. But they had explained that initially after a brain injury, um, the cells are still alive, okay? Those cells are still there. They're not really, um, there's enough cells around them to support the parts of the brain that are That have been affected. Okay. Okay. And so you're going to continue to see a rise that we're going to improve. We're going to improve. We're going to improve. And then you're going to hit a baseline and a flat line. You might see a little bit of an improvement, baby steps. You might see another little bit of improvement. You might see another little bit of improvement, but not that big jolt like you did at the very beginning. True. And, um, or you might go here and then you're going to see cell death and then you're going to tip down and you're going to go all the way down again. And that's when they become more into a vegetative state.
0: And they how I mean what was the what was the uh, the forecast for him? They they, they each no day.
1: Yeah. We just keep trying. We just keep trying until we hit that plateau again. And because Ken was fortunate enough that he had workers comp. OPPD was right there behind us 100% that's great. with whatever he needed. You know, whatever medical care, if it was supported by the physicians, whatever he needed, he got. And so they were awesome. And um, so we were able to stay on the rehab campus, which is the acute side of quality living, Mm -hmm. where you're going to get those, a lot of really intense therapies all Mm -hmm. day long. Mm -hmm. Um, They turn them into what they call functional therapy, but it's still, somebody is working with you. Mm -hmm. The majority of the day. We were there from um, September 13th until November 5th of the following year. Wow. Yeah.
0: On the rehab campus? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of a stretch that
1: long. Yeah. But that's workers' comp. Yeah. That's not insurance, that's workers' comp. That's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, it was November. 5th November 7th of 05 and we went up to the long-term care they said okay we've really given it our best we just can't do it anymore we're going to give him therapies but it's going to be functional therapies it will be working with his caregivers you know and that was our fear because we really felt like if you don't use it you're going to lose it sure and we just did not want him just sitting in a corner
0: so what I mean at at what point did it become apparent, a possibility, I don't know, that he's never going to be leaving QLA?
1: Yeah, that was that was kind of it right there. Okay. Yeah, and once we was... got to the long-term care. Yeah, and that was tough. Sure. And I think really we we had kind of sat down and talked about it as a family. You know, do we bring him home? And we care for him at home, but we really felt like he needed that somebody around him all the time to stimulate him, you know, whether it be in long-term care or it be, you know, wishing it was staying down at the rehab campus. Sure. Because we did have a lot more um, success down in the rehab campus. Right. Once he got to the long-term care, you could really see things dropping off. Okay. You really could. And it's because they don't have that stimulation right. that they had on the rehab campus. Yeah, I mean, it was, his wife had told him, oh, your, your dad left his glasses here. You may want to call him. Why don't you get on the phone and call him and tell him you left your, his glasses here? And she went over and dialed it for him, and he got on the phone. And we did find, that was kind of funny, we did find that Ken talked better to people. If he was on the phone. Okay. He could be sitting here in one room on the phone and he could be talking to somebody in another room. But he could actually get a conversation going and he could talk.
0: As opposed to?
1: Face to face.
0: And he couldn't talk at all? or he Yeah,
1: had, I mean, he yeah, he'd shut down. he
0: The pressure. The pressure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you to, know, to, where to, on the phone it yeah, was natural phone and, phone and it was just, it. you yeah. know,
1: but <clears throat> we weren't home yet. And so he left a voicemail message. And he said, Dad, yeah, you left your glasses here. You may want to come and get them. And that was the most that I heard my son talk. Wow. <laughs> and I kept it on the voicemail for years. I was
0: going to say, that was that was the first time uh-huh. you, you heard yeah. him speak? Uh-huh. Other than just little phrases. Little phrases yeah. since the accident?
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And then finally our voicemail thing, it just erased them all. And it was like, "Wow, where did it go? But yeah, yeah, that was, he had said that. Okay. And so um, that was, that was tough, you yeah. know. And, um, but he did say that. And there was another time when he, one of our, our very, very dear friends was, came up to see him. And he was, he's like a dad to, to Ken. I mean he'd known him since he was a baby, you know. And we used to go on vacations together and he had just been on vacation with us right the week before his accident. And Ken saw him and he said, Hey Steve, how you doing? He says, Do you still work for OPPD? See, so his time Sure. Pre- reference was gone. Yeah. You know, he didn't no idea, yeah. you know. But he said, "Do you still work for OPPD?" Yeah, can I do. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then the other time he had said, "So how are the girls, his sisters? How are your how are the girls? How are the girls?" Okay. And 5 minutes later. "So, how are the girls?" Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know. So like what bit. you
1: said, yeah. Yeah. You just don't realize what you've said. And uh
0: And this uh, when when was this accident? 2000 2004. 2004 so it was a year before me
1: okay. yeah yeah and so he um and of course he watched his little boy grow up in front of him right there at QLI I mean okay. he learned to walk at QLI Wow, and was crawling around on the floors at QLI and <laughs> you know but I mean he transitioned fairly well and up to this summit but which is the long-term care but they had the pool was open mm-hmm. and they would get him to the pool twice a week initially. And that was always a good, fun thing for him to do. Sure. And he could walk and, you know, through the pool and they'd let him play basketball down at the pool and, you know, and he did well. But then that kind of slowed slowed down too, no. right. you know.
0: What were his... Uh, cognitive difficulties and by that i mean um, how what was the, the 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 testing process where they were figuring out what he could and couldn't do i mean tell me about that
1: i i think it all became you know part of the functional rehab okay you know we're going to get dressed now you know okay. and then they would just try him with you know can you help me with getting your shirt on And they were excited when Ken was able to reach behind and pull his shirt up over the back of his head to assist him getting it off. Mm -hmm. But he would only get it to the back of his head. And then he'd need another cue to bring it forward. Okay. Okay. And then it would be another cue to take it off one arm and another cue to take it off the other arm. He couldn't just do it all in one swoop. Thing.
0: is he able to do that now
1: Mm-mm. no okay. no no and um we were able to usually you'd have to feed him but um we were able to get it to the point where we're going to load the food on your fork set the fork down and then give you a cue to pick your fork up mm-hmm. and feed yourself okay and we kind of got into that habit and that's what he still is doing now Okay. Okay. Very, very rarely can he get something really onto his fork.
0: Okay. So he still needs assistance. He still,
1: oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he needs to be reminded to eat. You can't just put food down in front of him and walk away because somebody has to be there to reload the fork. And Otherwise. Then, hey, yeah, other, mine can't take a bite. Otherwise, he won't. Part of the injury to his brain is the part that controls our inhibitions and our um, our uh, impulsivities, mm-hmm. okay? And, and then you do a normal activity, you know? You might be real impulsive to do an activity, and you don't think about what the repercussions are. That's that child that just wants to run across the street mm-hmm. or a 16-year-old in the car and just wants to take off and go and heck with the red light, you know, right. that kind of thing. You're just impulsive, and you just do, and you don't think about what those those re, um, repercussions are going to be. Sure. And then you have the normal brain that can think that through. No, there's a red light coming. I need to stop, you know, and I need to wait for the green light, and then I can go and... Um, or I'm not going to say something, you know, because it might hurt somebody's feelings. I might be thinking it, but I'm not going to say it because it might hurt their feelings, mm-hmm. you know. And so we have that control. We have that, um, that just the control of that activity. right? Okay, and then another part of the brain, though, needs a cue to do it. There's no impulse, con- you know, activity, and there's no control over it. I'm not going to do it unless somebody gives me a cue to do it.
0: And it's not because yeah. of a lack of desire or anything no, else. It's, it's it's that connection. It's, it's li- that, yeah, that, that con- nerve. connection was literally severed. Severed, And yeah. it's not coming back.
1: No. Okay. And so you just, you need to give them a cue, <coughs> and then they'll do it. And wow. I remember here just a matter of a couple and of years. And he's still this way. Yeah, mm-hmm. very much so. A um, couple years ago, um, so 15 years after the accident, and my husband and a really good friend of ours um, was out working on the sprinkler system. And Ken was home with us. And I said, hey, Ken, i want to go out with your dad and Matt and go see the sprinkler system, see what they're doing. Why don't you head out in the backyard and go see what they're doing? Mm-hmm. So I got him out there, and he was standing there watching him. And the guys weren't thinking. They just went to the front yard to go get something but forgot to give Ken the cue. Come with him. And the next thing I knew, I'm looking out there, and there's Ken Stannon in the middle of the yard, and the guys are gone. <laughs> and yeah, and you know, and if you're not there to to observe that, then you know he could be standing there for indefinite so, amount of time so until there, you go get him.
0: There's there's so there's a total disconnect between yeah. his his
1: what he wants to, consciousness, I mm-hmm. guess, is a, yeah, that's or just term. yeah, and his desire to do something. Right and being able to do it.
0: Oh my gosh, that is so fascinating.
1: Yeah.
0: So, um, and he is like well you you said he he's still this way. Yeah. Um, so how? Because the the limited exposure I had with him, mm-hmm. um, I remember one one specific uh, time, and this is kind of where I formed um, a marginally informed opinion on ken mm-hmm. but i remember walking to his room and i i remember asking him uh, a specific quite a, a a question that like with some specificity like i asked him where somebody's was or whatever oh, uh-huh. and he looked at me he just was he just shrugged shrugged yeah and i was like he might is he in there yeah. or is he like is that yeah. just a, a a knee-jerk response oh, or no
1: that's that's his usual response. If he doesn't know something, okay, okay. he will shrug his shoulders. Okay, okay. With, I don't know, you know.
0: <laughs> well, he, he, he literally doesn't so, know. Yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Or maybe he didn't have the words to be yeah. able to share with you.
0: Yeah. To where well, they were. And that's another, so that's the, that. Trying
1: to find those words.
0: You mentioned that he uh, called his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, how verbal
1: is he? hmm That was the most we ever heard from him and ever again. Oh,
0: really? Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh. That's heartbreaking.
1: (laughs) I know. I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so, but he will say, you know, who is, you know, somebody's walking in the door. Who is that? Oh, that's dad, you know. Okay. Or that's mom or that's Jen or, you know, his sister. Right. Yeah. Okay. And we'll be talking on the phone and I'll say who's that on the phone and he'll say Michelle and that's his sister that lives in Virginia Beach. Okay. So, yeah, long-term memory is there. Yeah. When he's home here and we have another bedroom set up for him, you know, that that's where he sleeps and stuff. Right. And um but after he uses the restroom and I say okay, you can head to your room, you know, it's time to go to bed, and he always wants to go back to his bedroom as a kid (laughs) I go there's no more bed in that room honey (laughs) that's an exercise room now (laughs) that doesn't even get used for exercise but (laughs) so yeah 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 so but yeah his long-term memory is definitely there but I will say I mean Austin was only two and a half months old his son when the accident happened he knows his son Okay. And I attribute that to his wife, because she um, she had that baby in his arms every day. Okay. Well, this that's, is our son. That's, that's this great. is our son. right This is our son. and and she had Austin there, you know, when he'd come home, we were down on the floor playing with Austin. and you know wow. so yeah, I attribute that to her. And to this day now, he knows. You know, I said, "Can you believe it? This is your son. <laughs> he is now seventeen years old."
0: <laughs> What's his reaction to that? And he just
1: he gives you the shrug shoulder. <laughs> <like that. laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and of course, then he loves sitting around the table, talking, <laughs> listening, listening to his friends come over and talk. Okay, and they reminisce. Okay. About the good old days, you know, when they were in high school together or they were young adult together.
0: But you really don't have a, a whole lot of uh, indication one way or the other about how much how much is sticking, I yeah. guess, Mm-mm. is the word?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, uh, as far as him remembering, right. like a week later, hey, you remember when you talked with the guys? That was really cool. And he'll give you the shrugged shoulders. Like? Not yeah.
0: really. But, I don't. Yeah. Okay. Well, and that—that's kind of. I mean, I you know I hate to uh, liken it to, but I mean, yeah. I as, as as certainly as I've I've grown older. I mean, I'm 45 years old, and this yeah. mine happened when I was 28, and so okay. yeah, I'm I'm having lapses of memory, and I'm, uh-huh. I'm you know I'm looking at like just playing the TBI. is the easiest yeah. way to yeah. do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. But that's where um, the general public. We'll look at somebody similar to you, Andy, and we'll go, You're just faking it. Oh, yeah. You're just using the TBI as a crutch. Mm-hmm. And it's like, No, you're not inside my brain and realizing all the cognitive problems that I have, all my thinking skills that take me longer. Than uh, usual to process. I'll tell
0: you what, Ann, I mean, as, as time goes on, you get to the point where you don't even give a shit anymore. Yeah. I mean, you really it just yeah it ceases to matter what other people think. You should good be for able you.
1: To do. Yeah, yeah. Where other people seem to just get on that and yeah. they can't move on. Yeah. They can't move on. Well, and I mean, you know, so, but that's our own personalities and yeah, you know, and how we well, deal.
0: And it also come. It it, it also matters uh, what kind of motivation, and what kind of fire you bring to the table, and, mm-hmm. and how how mm-hmm. how devoted you are to. And circumstantially, obviously, I mean, in Ken's case, I mean, once I can, I come completely. While I've not been there myself, I can yeah. completely understand the moment that somebody said, because I've had similar moments in my life where somebody says, "You." Live here now because you can't live any. You can't yeah. live on your own. Uh, stuff like that is just devastating. It is. Yeah,
1: it is. And I'm a 45 year old man. I should <coughs> be able to
0: live on my own. And yeah. you don't. You don't know how to. I mean, yeah. we We're talking about the impulsivity before.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I've been trying to quit smoking for a year. Uh uh-huh. like, Deliberately trying to quit smoking, and oh. I quit for four months, and then I went back for four months, and then I quit mm-hmm. for another four months, and then I went back, and so now <sighs> now we're like. At the end, almost at the end of the year, and I'm looking back at the last year, and I'm like, I'm thinking, if you want something to be proud of yourself, for you spend, you spend equal time this year smoking as not.
1: Yeah. Go, go from there. Go from there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But the the impulsivity. Yeah, and addictions are hard. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a hard thing to break. Yeah. I mean, your sobriety was a tough thing to break, and
0: smoking is ten times worse. Is it? Yeah, because um. because sobriety um, is sobriety. You, you you don't you don't ever have a, a moment of clarity. You don't ever have an aha moment uh, when you're trying to quit smoking where you realize how badly smoking has jacked up your life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have that with booze. Yeah. 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 So. Um, I I did uh, make some uh, questions. Um, So how long have you been involved with the support group?
1: Well, okay. So like I had mentioned before, it was really tough. Well, um, yeah, it was really tough, you know, being the parent. Right. And not the wife, you know, because everything went to her as far as the education, you know. And now they did, QLI was very good, and so was Madonna. They would have family meetings, but you had to have approval from his wife to be able to go to those meetings. And that was tough, you know. And so, um, but we. Tough to get you know, an
0: approval, or tough to be at the meeting, or both? Both. Okay.
1: You know, I mean, just the idea, I think, of having to get approval. Is what was tough. It was like, excuse me, <laughs> I am his mother, right. you know. This is his father and his sister, and we want to be involved. And so, but, um, and that's where we did get most of our education, you know, through QLI and through Madonna was through the family meetings. And, um, but at any rate, I wanted more. As being a nurse at the time, and you do not know the brain injury world until you're thrown into it you really don't unless you really want that to be your specialty and that's where you're working and um so at any rate i wanted more and so i start going to conferences around the nation oh just to hear you know okay i thought i've got to get my continuing education hours I'm gonna get it in brain injury. And so, rehab. Did
0: you go to the, the Brain Injury Association national conference in DC? Not
1: to the national well, I did finally. Okay. Um, it wasn't the it was one that was in DC. I don't think it was the put on by the brain injury of America though. Okay. Association of America. I think it was just another big national conference. Okay. Okay. But at any rate, that wasn't until two thousand twelve. When I went there, okay, and um, at any rate, I started going, and it was like in two thousand, probably two thousand five. September of two thousand five is when I went to my first one, and, um, and then you know went to another one here, and then another one there, just any place I could go and get whatever kind of knowledge they had, sure. and I just wanted to eat it all up, and um, so then I start hearing about support groups. And there was a support group in Lincoln, but I did not go to that one because I felt like his wife needed it more. You know, we had our own individual family that could help each other out. She really needed it to be able to go and listen to other people that were going through it. And um, so anyway, I got involved with one of the gals, um, case managers from Emanuel Rehab. And that was through the Brain Injury, um, it was, yeah, anyway, it was like the Brain Injury Alliance of Amer- of Nebraska, what Native. it is now. And it was one of their early conferences, and I had met her. And so we moved on, and she contacted me, and she said, I want to start up a support group, and I need a parent there. And I went, I'm your gal. I will be there. So she and I started it. It was June of '08 when we started our support group, and we've been going ever since. Wow. And in um, July of 2010, I was approached by Emmanuel Rehab and said they had an opening for a case manager in their rehab unit working with folks with brain injury. And would you like to apply?
0: Were you, were you actively a nurse at the time? Uh-huh. And I
1: was doing more like clinic work, pediatric work, and ear, nose, and throat work through Boys Town. And I said, you know, yeah, I would love to do that. And so I went out and applied, and they offered me the position, and I started then. It was in July. Okay. That I started in 2010, so six years after Ken's accident. Okay. I started. And um, one of the jobs of the of the case manager was run the sport group. Okay. <laughs> so I was already there. And uh-huh. so I just kind of took it over. And and then I decided to retire in 2015. So much had changed with the case manager role. It was becoming more um, insurance-based and not working as much with families and um, quality control kind of stuff, you know. Blech. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to work more with the families. Sounds dry as a bone. Yeah. And so um, I decided, okay, I'm going to retire, but I'm going to keep this work group. And so that's where we are. All right. And we're still running it today. And even with COVID, we've been on through Zoom. We've still been available to people as they need us. Some will jump on for a month here and a month there, but then they, you know, drop off again. But, right. you know, but they know we're here. Well, and that's...
0: All of you... Well, first of all, um I want your personal uh take <clears throat> your personal interpretation of how um the information and the the resources that are available for traumatic brain inter- traumatic brain injury survivors or brain injury survivors in general have evolved over the last 10 years.
1: Um I don't I don't really see a lot more resources that are available. We keep trying for more. What
0: do you want to see?
1: I would like to see more education to the professional staff um, about the need for for rehab. And I'm talking to the doctors. You know, well, if there's something that they can't do, if there's not a pill to give them, they throw their arms up, or at least the majority of the doctors that I hear about, they'll tend to throw their arms up and say, well, there's really nothing more that can be done unless they get involved with a physiatrist, who is your physical medicine and rehab, to um, continue those therapies.
0: For years. For
1: years. Because, again, if if you don't use it, you lose it. And I just think it's just all important to continue those therapies. I agree. And, and just to give them a set of exercises to do at home, you're not motivated to do them. Not really. You know, you really, no. you know. And you got to have some place to go to do it. Well, if, if insurance companies, if the doctors aren't going to prescribe them, And insurance companies aren't going to reimburse for them. They're not going to get done. You're on your own. Yeah. And that's too much of what happens. Right. Um, You go to an emergency room, which we all know is Band-Aid medicine at best. You know, they stabilize you and give you the orders to go see your primary doctor in three days. And out the door you go. Right. You know. And that's all that it's meant for. It's right. not meant for anything else long-term or, you know. And um, but they get a normal CT scan in the emergency room because there's no physical damage that's done, but they can't see the nerve endings <laughs> as to how they're reacting. Right. You know, you don't see any cell death because it's such, on such a minute level. And they can't predict. But at that moment in time, that CAT scan is normal. And they shove you out the door and say, you're fine. You might have gotten a mild concussion. We're going to put a Band-Aid on it and go home. Go see your primary doctor in three days. And I just wish that there would be more education at that point to not just say, you're fine. Go home. Because then anything that creeps up with symptoms after the fact then people think oh it's just in my head
0: education for the survivor or education for the staff or both both okay
1: yeah well i think if we can start with the staff then the staff can share that with the patient right. Right. you know and say that okay at this moment time at this moment everything looks okay right there's been no skull fracture we can't see that there's no bleeding going on in the brain you've definitely had a traumatic insult to the brain so, therefore, these are the symptoms you need to be watching for. And that should be coming right from that first initial doctor visit, whether it be in the doctor's clinic or in the emergency room. Okay? And if you've had a diagnosis at that time of a head trauma, then the Nebraska, anyway, is notified of that. And they're supposed to send out a pamphlet to that patient within a, f- a matter of about three weeks later. Who is? Nebraska's health department. Really? Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't, think I, ever, I don't think I ever got mine.
1: No, probably not, because yours was severe enough. Okay. Okay? But for those people that go in and they've had Just a concussion? concussion yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we all need to know that it's not just a concussion, Yeah, but it's what comes off the, the, you know, tip of our tongue. That's what comes off. Sure. But yeah, I mean, those, that education needs to come at the time of the injury, you know? And, and
0: do you think that the resources that are available for brain injury survivors has evolved over time in the last, mm-hmm. in the last oh, I, years? Oh, I think they have. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think they have, but I think it, Got a long ways to go. Sure, sure. You know, but I think that's what they need to do is they need to send out a pamphlet says this is real, folks. And just because there's no injury right now to the brain, there wasn't a fracture, there's no bleeding going on in the brain, that doesn't mean you're not going to be experiencing headaches, you know, nausea, vomiting, you know, dizziness, lightheadedness, fatigue. Neural fatigue, confusion,
0: confusion, li- feeling
1: like you're in a fog,
0: impulse control, brain fog. Brain yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. All of those kind of symptoms. You know, your sleep is going to be disrupted.
0: I I gotta believe that the reason for that is because there is there well there is no playbook, obviously. Yeah, no. And everybody's <clears throat> you you took over uh, of uh, the the support group when mm-hmm. when was that? Um, two
1: thousand ten. Okay. Yeah. So, two thousand June of two thousand eight is when we started it, and it was September of you no know, July of two thousand ten is when I took it over.
0: Okay. Yeah. And, and how was uh, I mean, how was the reception at first? How,
1: how Oh, yeah. I mean, we we did fine, but we grew. We continued to grow, and before the pandemic hit, we were we were having anywhere from fifteen to twenty plus people come every month. Okay to the, uh, to the meetings, mm-hmm. and it dropped off. Obviously, you know, on, not everybody likes Zoom. They they don't even want to call in. I hate and, it. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah, and um, but it was our way of being able to still connect sure. with those who wanted to, and. Um, I still send out my emails once a month. And I, I, I continue yeah, to get yeah, them. Yeah, and... you continue to get them. They're on my list. And um, and then last night was, we did have one in-person meeting at the VFW Hall in on, mili- on military, and that was in July.
0: That was, okay.
1: And and it was well attended, you know. Um, after that, though, I felt uneasy about Making that decision to bring people back together, um, I just, it would have just broken my heart if anybody would have gotten COVID. Oh, well. Just from us being there, you know? True. Um, What you choose to do in your own lives is one thing. But for me to make that decision and say we're having an in person meeting, you know, I don't know, I just felt so uncomfortable. I can see that. Plus the fact that, my husband has not been real healthy since July of this year. And um and with Ken, I just felt like I didn't want to be around people yet. And especially in those bigger crowds. You know. Even if it was only twenty people. You said but, even with Ken. Um, with just if with Ken's health. I mean, I wouldn't want him to get COVID. Sure. And then or take it back to, you know, QLI because he was still coming home once a about once a month now. We don't bring him home every week. Oh,
0: here. But okay. yeah, yeah. So but if ever... I would
1: get it, just say I would get True. it and then end up transferring it to Ken, you know.
0: Has he ever been to the support group meetings? No,
1: he hasn't. Okay. But I'm just saying if I was within the support group and I caught it from somebody, sure, brought it home here, and you know. So I do have to give a plug to quality living. They are following the CDC guidelines and the health department guidelines to the letter. Mm -hmm, I've heard. When it comes time for COVID, right? And we can see that. Yeah. You know, if he doesn't have some type of stimulation. Sure. For Kent. Like here, he would come and he'd sit at the kitchen table with his dad and they'd watch TV. Okay, Ken could have his drink, he could have a snack, he could whatever, you know, but they would just sit there and they'd watch TV. And as long as he had something to watch on TV, he could stay attended to it. Mm-hmm. And he would laugh appropriately, you know, if it's a comedy or whatever. And he'd stay awake and he'd be fine. But as soon as you take that stimulation awake, we just don't stimulate him enough. <laughs> <laughs> And so, within five ten minutes, choop, we're shut down, and and that's <laughs> him saying good night, goodbye. You know, you can right. leave anytime now. You know, yeah. And what, we do that with even with Facetime when we Facetime it, That's oh, yeah. about how much we get. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, and uh, to I mean to, to your point about uh, Zoom, I mean, yeah. I think it was probably within three months of the pandemic, so it was within like probably around May or June of. 2020 Uh where i think i tried to go to i I tried to do a zoom meeting of uh one of my buddhist uh sanghas Uh oh my god (laughs) i was was just this is so boring and Uh this is not i mean what i want when i'm attending one of those meetings is the human contact the in person like yeah i want to be able to feel your spittle on my face uh-huh. when we talk uh-huh. you know? uh-huh. Uh-huh. and uh so without that and that's kind of what and so i mean i guess it's that's 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 uh my uh, my long way of um saying that's why i haven't been at the support group yeah. meetings because i just i just know that i'm not yeah i'm not it's not going to engage me the way right. that i needed to yeah
1: yeah so I know. It's it's hard. And then it's, it's hard as a leader to get everybody a chance to talk and to say what they want to say. Sure. You know, because some people will just monopolize the whole conversation of the whole meeting. You know, and it's like, okay, we're going to give somebody else a chance now. And, you know, and so that's, that's tough. How do you, how,
0: how often do you get newcomers to the meetings? Oh. Every time?
1: Just about. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. We had a new gal this last time that came and shared, and you know. And you, those people, you do want to give them a chance to talk, you know, not just a few minutes. Don't just give me a little synopsis of what's going on. You know, they're there. They're really hurting. They're, they're needing help. And that's what the support group is there for, is to help them, you know. And she said when she left, she says, my gosh, I just feel so much better now.
0: That's a, that's fantastic. You know,
1: because I know there's others out there. And otherwise, you live in this little world, and you just think nobody else cares. Nobody else knows what I'm going through.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, you that's know. that's a very good point. Um, so. How often do you do the support group? Um, we
1: do them uh, once a month. Okay. Yeah, and it's always been the second Tuesday.
0: Okay okay
1: yeah of every month and um from 6 to 7 30. Well one of the so
0: one of the things I wanted to do um is with with this podcast is I wanted to uh start going back to the support group meetings uh-huh. um, as soon as we're able yeah and uh start to to uh, you know sort of mine uh the the uh support group meeting because I think one of the what, at least for me, and the reason why I started the podcast in the first place, and the reason why I started the blog um was because you don't under you can't underestimate the value of of live feedback uh, mm-hmm. from from survivors from family of survivors, true. Right medical professor anybody who mm-hmm. anybody who has a half a notion of what what is going on with you and if you say i mean that's one of the things i loved about um uh so some of the uh, facebook uh, tbi support mm-hmm. groups and the mm-hmm. person support group is when you get when you get to talking about i do this or i have that or whatever uh-huh. and just the look of Recognition and yeah, uh-huh. I know exactly. I know what you're talking we're talking about. about like, yep. How can you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. what I'm talking about makes no sense. Like I know, yeah, but I I know, yeah, <laughs> I understand yeah. it. <laughs>
1: there is a really good, um, I think it's a really good Facebook, web's, um, group chat that there is on Facebook. Yeah, of people with folks with brain injury. Well, there's and, several of them. Yeah, is there several? Yeah. The one that I'm only attached to yeah. one of them, <clears throat> but there are leaders that will jump in. And they'll say, "Okay, we need to end this conversation."
0: Oh, okay. So you're talking you about know. like a live action conversations? Yeah.
1: Well, no, not live conversations, but just posts, comments, comments. Okay. You know, and sometimes they'll get the some the the posts will become very negative. Yeah. And then you'll get the administrators that will jump on and they'll say, "Okay, really come down on the medical field." Yeah. You know, but really and truly, really I can understand why. Because, you know, whether you're in acute rehab or you're just sent out the door from an emergency room, you know, you're kind of left high and dry.
0: I think the thing that I resent the most about the medical uh, profession as far as what they would, what they do and can tell a TBI survivor is I would like to see more humility. I would mm-hmm. like to see a medical profession say, we don't know. Right, Because for me, uh-huh. I mean, I saw the most improvement in the functioning of my brain after I cleaned up my diet. And yeah. that didn't happen until years later.
1: Oh, there you go.
0: You know, mm-hmm. and so I think, I mean, just a, uh, just a level of humility if from the medical profession and, and industry professionals just saying, we don't know how yeah. bad this is. Right. And you're not going to know.
1: Exactly. And
0: you can't ever stop trying to improve Uh because you yeah
1: and that is a key andy you are right you've got to keep plugging along every day trying to improve and it's the baby steps that get you to the end of the road you know and probably never to an end of a road it's going to continue going on down this path you know and you've got to just keep trying keep stimulating the brain
0: and there's no there's no telling what is going to work and what's not going
1: right. to work. Right. And it's sad because, I mean, if it's something like reading was really something you enjoyed doing, reading can be a very big challenge to folks Huge. with a, with a brain injury. To be able to remember what you read on the page before.
0: Even just the act of reading. Yeah. I mean, with my, with my partial blindness, blindness in my left eye, yeah. it probably took me a year before I was able to read without interruption. Right you know without mm-hmm. what without having to stop whether it because whether it was because like mechanically like i was mm-hmm. i was i just wasn't able to read to that read, fast I, or uh, i wasn't able to, to process it that right. fast i mean it took me yeah. took me a year before i was able to read something on a page put it down and then tell you in 10 minutes what, what i just, just I, read yeah i mean
1: yeah it was like yeah.
0: It was instantaneous, my yeah. my, my memory loss mm-hmm. at first, and it didn't it did that didn't improve until eighteen months after. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'd say I was probably eighteen to two years, eighteen months to two years in before I really plateaued the first time, mm-hmm. and then, um, <clears throat> well, it, it took me getting sober and cleaning up my diet. Yeah, and then I it was like, oh. Oh, because wow. like when I once I cut booze, cut out, booze out of my system, system, yeah, you know, it was like yeah. it was like, you know my my brain was finally mm-hmm. like, okay, can we get on with I this, this please? <laughs> yeah,
1: get yeah. this stuff out of here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, yeah.
0: um I think uh, that this has been a great conversation. Yes, it's been very good. Um, yeah, and we're uh, almost an hour and a half into it, yeah. and uh, I. I just, all all I know for sure is that uh, I think I want to talk to you again. Because, I mean, uh, when you you connect with somebody over this kind of thing, it's just like, and another thing. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. And that's where I'm at. It's like, okay, what was it I wanted to say? But, and it is, it's true, you know. And there's times when I'm running the support group, you know, during the month, it's like, here we go again. We're going to do this, you know. And... I send out emails to 60 people. Okay. And if I get 10, I'm happy because I've reached 10 people. Yeah. You know, and I'd like to get more, but you know, more responses from people. But I know even Chris Stewart, the, um, one of our, um, advocates for brain injury that Mm -hmm. works for brain injury Alliance of America, of Nebraska. I'm sorry. Um, she says, Don't worry about the no responses. She says, They're there. Yeah. If they want to see them, they'll see them and they'll reach out to us when they're ready.
0: Well, I mean, I can and tell you right now, Ann, I mean, look at this. I mean, yeah, I started becoming involved with the support group three years ago. Has it been ago, three years already? Wow. I think. Yeah. Something like that. Maybe, Maybe four. Uh huh. Something like that, but I mean, I'm here because I wanted to talk to you directly about your work with right. the support group. Yeah. And just, I mean, and 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 how this, what kind of toll this has taken on you. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you seem to it seems to invigorate you.
1: Yeah, it does. When I get to really working with it and doing something with it, then it does. It gives me. That's
0: great. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah.
1: I said, every time I come back out of the sport group, somebody has said, thank you, you know, for what you're doing. And it's like, okay, you just rejuvenated me again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you just I need that little it. tiny pat on the back. Okay, thank you. you know? <laughs> but that's if this is what the purpose of all this is, then I'm happy to do it. Yeah, no, so,
0: I mean, uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I can tell you that. Um, you know, despite my, uh, my sheer and utter hatred of, of zoom, um, <laughs> I will be back. Good. Um, I, Good. I, I, definitely plan on coming back, but that was the thing, like, I mean, as we talked about before the podcast, I mean, I've been figuring, you know, the, the first 10 years, well, the first 10 years of my sobriety, I've fig- been figuring out what kind of job I can have. Yeah. And I have gone through the gamut. I have worked every schedule that i Mm-hmm. that you can, and now I have a day shift. Yes. I have a day shift. Oh, that's I, good. And so yeah. now it's like, oh, I can get back out and involved
1: with the support Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I,
0: can, I can do this, and yeah. I can take, take this a little bit more seriously. Yeah. So. so,
1: We are debating on having a Christmas party this year. Okay. And I need to send out an email and get people's response. Okay. You know, how many are going to come? Is it going to be worth... <laughs> Trying to put together, do we do desserts, you know, and maybe not a full meal, mm-hmm. you know, and we share desserts with one another. Um, do we want to share gifts? Do we want to, you know, what is it we want to do, you know, and so we just need to figure it all out. Uh, and, I'll be, you know, I'll be for keeping track. Yeah, jim-
0: I'll be keeping track. In it yeah, it
1: for sure. I, um, I says, our, you know, our son, my grandson, Austin, Kenny's son, um, is going to be in his debut night for his show choir at Miller North oh, High School. Okay. And this is his senior year, and he's on the varsity show wow. choir, and this is their big debut night. So I will be going to that okay. versus going to the Christmas <laughs> party. And, but I says with our group now, um, we are meeting in person, but we're also having zoom, okay. which is nice because then I could jump on and just tell everybody, hi, I'm thinking of you. Merry Christmas. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, sure. wish I was there, but well, and I, you know, I, I, this I, is I, senior year. It's not going to happen again.
0: I had one of those <laughs> moments where, uh, I, I, I think I was flipping through my emails and I saw an email from you. Uh-huh. And I, I think I saw in person and Zoom. I was like, wait a minute, I can go to that now again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I want to. I, uh, I, you
1: can go. I can yeah. Know. Yeah. go. So, and Emmanuel's opened it up to the cool. community. So hopefully things don't get really bad again and then they shut it down.
0: Well, so. I, I'm definitely interested in uh, having you again. I, okay, i appreciate I'll keep you on
1: the old email list. Appreciate
0: and <laughs> you, uh, of, uh, you coming on and uh, oh, sharing, sharing Ken's kind of story. Yeah,
1: um, I'm glad we were able to connect. This yeah, has been awesome.
0: Me too. Okay. So, uh, thank you very much, yep. and uh, keep your head about you.
1: All right. Thank you.